Welcome back to the Crypto Trends Podcast. We cover all things cryptocurrency, blockchain, Web 3.0, and AI. I'm Robert Croak, and I am joined by my illustrious co-host, Armando Pantoa. Both of us and our amazing team are excited to bring you the best information, guidance, and strategies each and every Wednesday. So follow along and always remember to take notes and take action. In today's episode, we're excited to break down key topics that everyone must be aware of, such as storing and securing your crypto, vetting sources of information to avoid scams and shilling from the fake gurus, and the different exchanges we use depending on the type of coins we are looking to buy. After going through these key topics, we're going to wrap up this episode by covering the market updates you need to know to keep you fully in the loop with everything we're watching right now. So let's get into it. Armando, so take us into talking point one. Best practices for securing your crypto. One of the biggest questions I get, Robert, I know you get it a lot, is people want to know what's the safest way to store their crypto. You have two options, a hot wallet and a cold wallet, right? So a lot of people are going to ask another question. They're going to say, what is the difference? Well, let's break that down. In the world of crypto, you are your own bank. In order to be a bank, you have to have an account with your crypto being somewhere. A great example why you would want a hot wallet is that if your exchange gets hacked or anything like that, only you have access to those private keys. By having a hot wallet, you're not prone to these risks. Remember what happened back with FTX in 2022. A lot of people lost a lot of crypto because FTX had access to their private keys. Now, what you could do to mitigate some of this risk is that you could use what's called a cold storage device. Cold storage is undoubtedly the most secure way to store your crypto. A lot of diehard crypto uh, believers believe this is the only way you should store your crypto. It's actually a saying out there. It says, if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto, which is explaining the fact that if you don't have access to your private keys, then you don't have access to your crypto. Code wallets are physical devices that you store your crypto and it's completely offline. But the downside of a cold storage device is that if you don't have physical access to that device, then you can't access your crypto. But neither can hackers or bad actors. So it's actually a good way to store your crypto. Robert, I know you talk a lot about risk management. So what wallets would you recommend to our listeners? The hot wallets I currently use are Exodus, Crypto.com's DeFi wallet, and the Coinbase wallet. Exodus is great because they have a wonderful interface and they've never been hacked. And that's a key feature for me. The Coinbase wallet is great because it enables support for over 5,500 assets, and it has the easiest interface to use for new crypto investors. And then number three is Crypto.com's DeFi wallet. They support over 700 assets, and the security features such as the facial recognition and 2FA are really easy to set up. And I really like these features for the average retail investor. My three favorite cold wallets are Ledger Nano X, Arculus, and Treasure by far. Just make sure your seed phrases are safe. And a pro tip here is always laminate them. This is important in case of a flood. I know it might sound rudimentary or old school, but I promise you having these seed phrases protected against everything is paramount to the safety of your crypto. And the last but not least very important thing is never screenshot your seed phrases. The last thing you want to do is have someone be able to get all your crypto by hacking into your phone's camera roll. Very, very important to know this. 
Regardless of what you use, cold storage or hot wallets, security is so important. There are a lot of scammers out there that are after your crypto. It's relatively untraceable and immutable, which means once it's sent, you can't get it back, which makes it a big target for hackers and scammers. Always remember 2FA, two-factor authentication. And always remember Face ID Unlock. These two are very important. I promise you, you need to do this. Just doing these two things makes your wallets exponentially harder to hack. And I want to say one thing. If anyone approaches you for a crypto investment on social media, I promise you they're trying to scam you. I don't care who it appears to be. People copy and steal me and Robert's profiles all the time and they approach people for crypto investments and even imitate our voices with AI. Yes, this just happened the other day. I told you about this. A gentleman reached out to me, very intelligent guy, sent me the screenshots and he was blown away at the sophistication of the scam. He told me and even showed me that they took my images, my likeness, stuff from my website, and then they used AI voice modulation to actually use my voice in the phone call, and he almost went for it, but he knew me personally, so he reached out in a DM and asked if it was me, so obviously I was able to stop the scam from happening, but everyone, please, please keep an eye on this. It is very much important, and everyone just needs to understand if someone reaches out to you for any kind of investment, you have to ask them first and foremost before you exchange any information to do a FaceTime or a Zoom call with them so you have proof of who they are and you can verify it in person. And this is very important to understand these things or you'll get hacked, right? So that's why it's important to understand everything when it comes to crypto as much as you can. That's why it's important to understand private and public keys. Bank accounts use account numbers to keep track of who has what in the banks. Well, crypto uses public and private keys on the blockchain. A public and private key together is what we call a crypto wallet. Your public key is like your email address. You can send that to whoever and you can receive emails like that. A private key is like your password. Whoever has that private key can send money out from your account like you can send emails out from your account. Never give up your private keys. Anybody that has access to those private keys has access to your account and can make withdrawals from there. You have to keep that safe. If anybody ever asks you for your private key, I promise you, they're trying to scam you. Now, there are a lot of exchanges people ask us about all the time and which ones are the best. And that leads us into talking point two, exchanges that we like. When it comes to buying established projects, our go-to platform is always Coinbase. The great thing about Coinbase is that it has a very easy-to-use interface, which makes navigating the platform extremely simple. Coinbase has many great features such as buying, selling, swapping, and staking, just to name a few. Additionally, it's a publicly traded company in the U.S., so they're heavily regulated, and it has never been breached and has all the security features you need to make sure your accounts are safe. Now, I've been on Coinbase for like 10 years, and during Bitcoin bull runs, scammers and hackers are more prevalent. So it's very important over these next 18 months to understand what these security measures are and protect your accounts. Kraken, Public.com, and Uphold are also great alternative platforms. Kraken is one of the oldest crypto exchanges in the U.S. and has never once been hacked which speaks to the safety measures it takes to protect its users. Venmo and Cash App are also very limited in their offerings, but can be great alternatives to buying Bitcoin and Ethereum. 
Most people already have their accounts set up there, which could make for a smooth transition into buying. Additionally, you can use your balance to buy crypto, which we know a lot of people appreciate. So Armando, while these exchanges are great, a lot of people ask us where they can buy the coins that aren't on these exchanges. So take us into that. Yeah, all coins aren't on all exchanges. So you, so in order to have access to multiple coins, you have to have access to multiple exchanges. One that I like a lot is KuCoin. KuCoin has a large selection of coins, small market cap coins. Uh, but the, one of the issues that people have with KuCoin is that you have to use a stable U.S. dollar coin to trade for these currency pairs. Many of our listeners find this complicated, but it's worth understanding to have access to these new coins that are small market caps. Right now, I actually looked at it before this episode. There's 23,000 cryptocurrencies out there. And in that bunch, there's some gems in there. But you have to have access. And one of the ways is DeFi and decentralized exchanges. MetaMask and PancakeSwap are two that I use. Even though MetaMask has excellent security, one of the problems with MetaMask is that it's easy to use social engineering or trick somebody into connecting their wallets to a malicious site and steal your crypto. Yeah, this is something that I'm seeing more and more issues with is so many people get an email from one of these exchanges or they get an email for an offer from a crypto and they think, oh, wow, I got this inside track. I got this hack. I'm going to click on this. I'm going to give them my wallet address and send them $2,000. Don't do that. Don't ever click on anything without checking the verification and the authenticity of it because that's how you get hacked and that's how you lose your money. And then you end up being that person that's on one of our public lives saying crypto is a scam. Yeah. You have to protect your money. And I always say something like this. that's very important for all the listeners to follow along. Make your money work as hard for you as you work to get it. And that means also be careful and protect yourself from scams. And crypto is not bad. A lot of people say, well, why does crypto have so many scams and so many malicious things going on? It's an immature market. It's still growing. The biggest currency on earth that's used for criminals and scammers is the U.S. dollar. So crypto one day will be a lot more secure, a lot easier to use. But we just have to wait. And I think it's going to be good going forward. Well, that's the thing. Every time we go into one of these massive markets in this new shiny ball, the bad actors are going to come out right. because people are looking for a cheat code. And the bad actors are like, oh, this is going to be like picking apples out of a barrel because they know that they can fool people much easier than in a sophisticated market. And that's why it's so important for everyone to be careful in these markets. They use emotion. For example, in the Bitcoin hype cycles, crypto hype cycles, uh, a lot of people are going through FOMO. So they use that FOMO against you and you'll receive an email that says, hey, send me 1,000 in Bitcoin, I'll send you 10,000 back. And a lot of people get tricked by that. So there's no cheat code, you have to do it yourself. So we talked a little about how you can find opportunities in these small market cap coins. One of the places you find them, we talked about that before, is PancakeSwap, which is a decentralized exchange. Now, two things you have to be careful with decentralized exchanges is that one is a lot of low cap cryptos have a lot of risk. But that's where we get the reward from it. Two is they have what's called low liquidity. So you'll be able to buy some of these, but you won't be able to sell it. I don't care what the price says on the screen. You won't have find a buyer unless there's somebody out there willing to take on that asset. 
Yeah, this is a great point because so many people, and most recently with Bonk, I think it was the big one, everyone's like, oh, I turned a 1000 into $65,000. Well, no, you didn't because it's unrealized gains because of the lack of liquidity. So it's just something for every one of you that's new to this that doesn't understand that to really read up on it and understand the pitfalls of having an illiquid market. And one way you can check that is you go to coin uh, market cap and you look at volume. That tells you the amount of that crypto that was traded within the last 24 hours. That's a good measure of how liquid an asset is in crypto. I always talk a lot about getting in to stocks, assets, and even in cryptos especially before the masses come. Now, Robert, tell us some ways that we can do that. That's a great segue bringing us into talking point number three, the best practices for finding the next gems for your portfolio. Number one, avoid following fake gurus. I talk about this all the time. A lot of the people that you see on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube build their followers off of hyping coins that they're being paid to promote or that they have equity in. And I speak on this all the time about these clowns and their clickbait to create hype and fear. Remember, we want to never invest with our emotions. So how then do we go about finding our information? You have to read. I, when I wake up in the morning, I read. In the middle of the day, I read. I get messages from people all day. I read every article I can find. And that's what keeps me up to date on the hottest cryptos. The problem with social media is that, like you said, we have these fake gurus out there. But they also don't tell you the entire picture of what's going on behind the scenes. It happens a lot with meme coins. That means they aren't giving you the full picture that you need in order to make that investment. To avoid this, we recommend going to the source of these stories. A lot of great articles are posted every day on sites such as Cointelegraph, Cryptopolitan, and even Yahoo. And both of us, as well as our team, spend a ton of time reading articles on sites like this so we can really flush out our best picks, not only for ourselves, but for our listeners. While they don't always give us the full picture, they definitely give us a great starting point for all of our research. And that's what's most important so we can each and every week provide the best information to our listeners and followers of the Crypto Trends podcast. Another great way to see through the hype and vet what's actually going on is by looking at charts. Charts really tell a story. You just have to learn how to read them. And while we're not saying you have to become a chart expert, it's really important to follow analysts that you can trust so you can see the technical aspects of what's going on. And that again goes back to finding the right people and the best information to learn from and not these scammers and shillers and fake gurus that really don't know the information themselves. So here at Crypto Trends, we have technical analysts on our team that help us paint the picture of the market and structure at any given time, which is certainly used as a major puzzle piece for us when we're building our portfolios and sharing our picks and thoughts of the markets with all of you. I like what you said earlier about charts not being the full picture. It's a part of the equation, a part of the puzzle, but you have to read like we talked about. You have to read the charts, you have to read articles, and you have to stay on top of the new news and developments in the crypto world. Yes, exactly. We live in an era now where technical analysis is not everything. So much of what we deal with, not just in crypto, but in stocks and other parts of asset classes, 
are built around hype right now. Because there's so much marketing in all of these sectors, you have to understand that hype can move a market as well. So you have to blend not only the technical analysis, but also understanding the macro portion of the markets because hype can move markets. We've seen that for years in crypto. Hype is a big, I like what you said about hype because uh, for the first time in history, almost 100% of the population has access to trade stocks and crypto. Now, if you go back 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, only the very, very rich had access to stocks. So because there's so many people buying and selling crypto stocks and assets, hype has become a huge factor in how these prices move. Yeah, so to close this point out, I just wanna really make sure everyone is following along and being careful with all these fake gurus because every single day I see them on my For You page getting indicted or getting called out by their followers for shilling and doing pump and dumps. So just make sure you're following people that you know, like, and trust and you're still flushing out that information because there's just so much of it going on and I don't wanna see anyone on my watch getting wrecked because they thought somebody was giving them good information and all they were really doing was shilling a coin for their own benefit. And that's why I want everyone to pay attention and take notes and do your own research. Okay, so that takes us into talking point number four. And before we wrap this episode up, we wanna to touch on the price action with Bitcoin and Ethereum and what's happening next on the horizon. Since the news of the Bitcoin ETF approvals, things have been pretty quiet in crypto, just like we expected. A lot of people were expecting Bitcoin to go straight to the moon, but historically that hasn't been the case. Things take time. Every single halving we've seen the same pattern. We expected this to happen and it creates an opportunity. From a technical standpoint, Bitcoin has been range bound between 38.6 and 44K for the last few weeks, and we expect to stay range bound. However, if it breaks the low of 38.6, we think it's probable that Bitcoin could retract to 32,000 in the coming weeks. Remember, this will probably be the last great buying opportunity for Bitcoin, as well as altcoins, before this bull market. This is why we would invite this scenario to happen. I'm a big believer in that the banks, the elite, and the rich manipulate the market. And me and you talked about this, that this was highly likely to happen before the halving, that Bitcoin's price would either be stalled or brought down so the institutional investors had the ability to build their portfolios before the big boom happens. Also, I like it too that it is slowly it's slowing down before the halving and the tentacles are allowed to cool off, which gives me and you personally an access to get in before this boom happens. Yeah, it's a great point that we really should focus on a little bit in coming episodes. If you're a massive fund like BlackRock or Fidelity or ARK Investments, and you're gonna put 5 million, 10 billion, $20 billion into an asset, why would you not wanna manipulate the price if you could? Yeah. Because you're gonna save tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars with this new entry point. So I definitely think it's something that we're gonna see more and more of until the bull run actually gets moving along. And then I think it'll be harder for them to really manipulate the market in the ways they have in the past. Yeah, it'd be a more mature market. It'd be more centralized. I mean, the exchanges will be, and there'll be more players in the market. It's harder to manipulate a market like that. Uh, so like I said, is that people always ask me, they say, should I get in now or should I get in later? We talked about it in the last episode about dollar cost averaging in. You got two months. 
to dollar cost average in, get an average price, Bitcoin will probably be stable into the having. Uh, so in 10 years, 15 years, when Bitcoin's a million dollars, nobody's going to think, oh, I should have got it at 32 or 35 or 37. It won't matter because if Bitcoin's at a million or even 10 million way down the line, these little numbers, like think back in 2012. If you got Bitcoin at 60, 50 or 7, does it matter? <laughs> no. No, we should have just bought more is all. Exactly. You should have just bought more. That's what everybody's going to say. So that's what I'm saying. It gives us a great opportunity here. And I want to touch on this a little bit, too, because I shout to the mountaintops on a daily basis that dollar cost averaging is important. But based on this limited time window that we have right now with cryptocurrency and where we assume the bull market is really going to take off, you can set dollar cost averaging aside if you have a lump sum and you can just jump right in and buy as much as you can. So that is a strategy that works right now versus a normal long-term outlook for dollar cost averaging. So just keep that in mind if you're just getting into cryptocurrency right now and you wanna get ahead of this bull market and you have a lump sum of money, totally fine to do that as well. Now that we've discussed Bitcoin, let's talk a little bit about Ethereum. There's been a lot of news about the potential Ethereum ETF being approved in the coming months. And some analysts even expect it as soon as May. Yeah, I know uh, right before we started the podcast, we were both reading an article that said that there was a big analyst out there that gave a near 70% chance of the Ethereum ETF getting approved in May. And I have to agree with that. I think that a lot of the regulatory hurdles were put out of the way with the approval of the Bitcoin ETF. The SEC has already shown that they're willing to work with cryptocurrency. And I think that that was a... The, the Bitcoin ETF, when it dropped in January, it was a huge moment for cryptocurrency. A lot of people underestimate how big that was. That was a, a pretty much a, a stamp of approval on the crypto industry. Yeah, I would find it hard to believe that after all of the Bitcoin ETFs that have been approved, that the Ethereum ETFs wouldn't follow suit immediately after. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks. But I agree with you. I think it's probably a higher percentage chance than 70% right now, but definitely exciting for Ethereum. Ethereum is yet to be deemed a security. And we know from history that commodities have a lot higher chance of getting accepted as an ETF than a security would. There's a strong demand for an Ethereum spot ETF from institutionals and also retail investors. And the last reason is that Ethereum has a much stronger use case of, as a commodity uh, than Bitcoin does because of the way that it works. You have smart contracts. It's actually a huge computer system that people can access with those tokens. So the use case actually makes it more likely to be approved as an ETF. And another point about the use case in Ethereum is that it's a lot easier to explain to someone how Ethereum has value as opposed to Bitcoin. Ethereum is a worldwide computer. You can write code on that blockchain. You can create smart contracts. You can create NFTs. You create uh, other tokens. So the use case of Ethereum is a lot easier for the layman to understand. With Bitcoin, you have to understand supply and demand, global economics, politics. It's a lot more difficult to understand what the true value of Bitcoin is. Yeah, there's definitely been a ton of talk that Ethereum is going to flip Bitcoin in the coming bull market. I agree with that. Man. And so, yeah, it has so much use case and it's more, it's just easier overall for everyone to understand why the value is there. Whereas I think Bitcoin will and is looked at as a store of value. But even with that, 
I think Bitcoin is still going to put up that big, big number that we all expect in the coming years, yeah. just because it is the greatest mechanism ever created for store of value and simplicity of store of value. And that's why I love Bitcoin as well. And like I said, it's, I, I'm I'm more bullish on Ethereum at this point than I am Bitcoin. And I'm not. It's no. It's no secret. I've been. I believe that AI and the metaverse is going to dominate the next uh, crypto narrative uh, and the hype cycle is coming. Uh, and you know, did you know three big things happened in the metaverse last week? Uh, the Apple, Apple Vision Pro was released. Uh, Meta announced uh, record earnings, uh, and also they actually started producing revenue for their metaverse division and dividends and dividends. They announced a dividend. Uh, third is that this people don't realize this is connected with the metaverse that Elon Musk company Neuralink uh, installed a chip in a human brain for the first time. I can't wait to get mine. <laughs> but what that means is that in the future, people, we, we, we think about the metaverse is putting on these goggles and looking into a world in the future that chip will actually tie into your five senses and put you into that environment. Uh, so the metaverse has a bright future. And Ethereum, uh, along with, I think, Solana and Cardano, are going to be the three blockchains that people build decentralized apps and these worlds on uh, for metaverse land, tokens, and stuff like that. Yeah, I was so early in on the metaverse and buying land and everything. And so many of my business partners and friends thought I was crazy. And one of the first things I did is I was like, okay, when the metaverse becomes mature and all the bad actors are gone, what is going to be a great use case for it? So what I did is I started going around the world and buying the land that was important in the metaverse. The top golf courses, the top art museums, all of these places where I felt when the metaverse matures, where these industries would be able to sell tickets to the actual place in the metaverse. Imagine walking through the Louvre Museum or something else like that in the metaverse since you can't travel to it. So that's what I started doing years ago when buying opportunities in the metaverse was doing that. And now that that metaverse is actually maturing, there's just going to be so much, so many ideas that neither of us have even yeah. thought of and opportunities for people to invest in. And that's what I love about it because just like any other sector, once it starts maturing, the scammers are gone, you know, all of the groundwork is laid. That's where the real opportunities come in. And that's why this podcast is so important to me and everyone that listens is for us to get them thinking, be ahead of the audience and not just worry about the major projects and technologies, but how can you invest and be ahead of the curve offering the picks and shovels for these industries? Exactly. That's where the real money is. You don't have to be the leader. You have to be the one that supplies the leaders. And that's where we want to find those nuggets and those small cap coins revolving around this sector to really help our investors and followers and people that listen to what we have to say to help them learn how to capitalize. Yeah. And you got to put yourself like if we look at the metaverse as it is today, it's clunky. You get in there as cartoonish graphics. But if you put yourself into the future, those that technology will improve. Mm -hmm. uh, the graphics will be photorealistic. The chip will be in your brain, so you'll be immersed in that environment. Now, and just like you said, you wanted to figure out a use case for the metaverse. And somebody told me this once. They said, "Would you, Armando? Would you be in the metaverse today?" And I said, "No, I'd rather have my own life." They said, "Well, let's fast forward forty years. You're in a nursing home. Your legs don't work. You're, you're in the bed. Now, would you choose the metaverse?" Yeah, definitely. 
But also, like I yeah. talked about, of owning land on some of the most famous golf courses and country clubs around the world. What's going to happen with the metaverse in a couple of years, five years, when people can go p- play Pebble Beach exactly. on their goggles where they might not ever be able to afford in a lifetime to be able it's to like get into or be able to play Pebble Beach? But then you just go on to the metaverse and be able to play these legendary courses or go to these legendary museums. It's going to be game changing. And people just always early on fear what they don't know. And that's why 10 years ago when I was telling people, friends of mine, buy Bitcoin, buy this, buy that, they didn't listen because they always talk down or fear what they don't know. And people like us are just different. We run into the fire of the unknown because we want to extrapolate those great opportunities. And that's why the metaverse finally settling in and starting to mature is so important in the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree. So the three projects that we're bullish on for this next bull market are number one, Echelon Prime. Prime is the coin name and the ticker, and it's up as much as 359% since October. Really, really strong gaming project. Number two, Axelar, AXL, being used by JP Morgan Chase and test to tokenize client portfolios. This one, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, tokenization is going to be where a lot of money is going to be going in the coming years. And I love this project. And number three is one we've been talking about for a while, and that's Injective INJ. And it's up as much as 525% in the last four months and going to be a huge player in the tokenization market as well. So those are our three takeaways for this week's episode. We've put a lot of research into these, and I love them. And I think they're great projects for the future, and everyone should look at them for their portfolios. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening and following along. You can find us on Instagram at Crypto Trends Podcast and on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. We are excited for 2024 and beyond and sharing all of our crypto insights with all of you. If you love the podcast, please share with a friend and give it a five-star review, and we will see you next week.